0: Hey, my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope Church, and I am here this morning with Shireen. Shireen has been attending New Hope Church online. She is here this morning with her family to celebrate and cheer her on. They have been praying for her, and God has been doing a work in her life. And this morning, she is ready to go public with her faith by entering into the waters of baptism. Praise God. So, Serene, I just have two questions for you. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Amen. Praise God. And do you promise to follow him the best that you can all the days of your life? Yes. Awesome. Well then I am excited to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So good, did you see that sweet moment at the end where Shireen lifted her hands and just celebrated? I tell you, seeing people go public with their faith never gets old, amen? Can we celebrate our good God today? Awesome. Well, good morning, church. I'm Reese. If we haven't met, good morning to those online and at all of our campuses it's great to have you, and it's great to have all the folks up in the balcony. I have never spoken here, and the balcony have people in it, so isn't that cool? <laughs> awesome. Great to be with you this morning. We're going to continue in our series as we study the kingdom of God. We're going to contrast the kingdom of God in the kingdom of this world. This kingdom of this world has a completely different, opposite value system, a a backward value system, the kingdom of God. So we literally took the word kingdom and wrote it backwards to call this series Modnik. And we're going to take a letter from uh, Modnik and walk our way all the way to Easter. And so this morning, we're going to unpack M in the kingdom of God, standing for more is less and less is more when it comes to God's kingdom. It's in stark contrast to the values of this world that is all about desiring the accumulation of more stuff and more status in our life. God calls us to understand and to live for that more is less and less is more in his kingdom. Before we open God's word, can we go to God in prayer together? Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, We pray that it would be an encouragement, that it would motivate us, uh, it would inspire us, it would even irritate us, irritate us to change, that our behaviours and actions would be influenced by your Word of God today that would result in change in our lives. Father, throughout this series, we pray that you would take your kingdom values and sow them deep into our minds, hearts, and souls. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed with this prayer said? Amen and amen. When we look across the arc of scripture, we notice themes and one of the overarching themes of the Bible is that God's activity is often through disruption in our lives. And in the disruption, God is preparing us for something new. Associated with disruption in our relationship with God is always an invitation. An invitation to go deeper into the awareness and knowledge of his love and the portion of his purpose in our lives. Many of you have heard the pandemic be referred to as the great disruption of our generation. And so this morning, I want to ask us, in this disruption, what is God preparing us for? What is he inviting us into as the people of God? Could it be a deeper understanding that more is less and less is more? Come on, shoot straight with me for a moment. We have all experienced something being stripped away in this last year. In the midst of this pandemic, we've all had things taken from us. Perhaps it's been client retention or business revenue or it's been uh, in-person dining in restaurants or kids in school, maybe financial stability, whatever it might be, Something has been taken from us. And so today, we're gonna dive into what it means for us to live a life where we understand the values of the kingdom of God. More is less, and less is more. I wanna look at a a passage from the prophet in the Old Testament called Isaiah, or you may call him Isaiah. If you let me call him Isaiah, it'll help me preach, okay? Um, (laughs) So there's this passage where he is foretelling the coming of Jesus to earth. And the prophet uh, uses this imagery that is really intriguing. It's that of an arrow. The prophet explains that at just the right time, God the Father reaches into his heavenly quiver and he pulls out his most prized arrow. He aims and shoots it to earth on a redemptive mission to save his creation. So as we come to Scripture, I'm gonna ask if you would please stand to your feet across all of our campuses and at home if you're just in the living room, just to honour the reading of God's Word this morning. We're in Isaiah chapter 49, and I'm going to start in verse 1. The Word of God reads, Listen to me, all of you in far off lands. The Lord called me before my birth. From within the womb, He called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of His hand. I am like a sharp arrow in His quiver, He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, but my work all seems so useless. I have spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose at all. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I'll trust God for my reward. And now the Lord speaks. He who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring his people of Israel back to him. The Lord has honoured me and my God has given me strength. He says, you'll do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you'll bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The Lord, the Redeemer and Holy One of Israel says to the one who is despised and rejected by a nation, to the one who is the servant of rulers, kings will stand at attention when you pass by. Princes will bow low because the Lord has chosen you. He the faithful Lord, the Holy One of Israel chooses you. You may be seated. So out of this passage, I was intrigued to explore uh, the preparation in making a traditional arrow. And I discovered that there are seven steps in the process to make an ancient arrow. I also noticed great parallels between the activities of God when he disrupts our life and prepares us for a greater calling, a greater understanding that more is less and less is more in the kingdom, not of this world. So real quickly, I wanna unpack those steps of how to make an ancient arrow. The first one, is the selection of the arrow wood. The work of God in our lives, through our lives is totally dependent on him. Now I know this morning that some of you may feel like uh, you've not persevered very well with your spiritual practices, your spiritual habits and your routines through the last year of the pandemic. And if that's you this morning, I wanna remind you that Scripture tells us that the Lord God who loves you is full of compassion and mercy. And just like an arrowwood branch doesn't call out, select me, I would make a great branch. God choosing to use you is not... Predicated on your actions or your behaviour but on God's unfailing love, compassion, mercy and grace in your life. You are chosen. John 15 declares it this way. You didn't choose me, I chose you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. The next step in making a traditional arrow is the removal of the branches. This is often a painful process, the removal of things in our lives. It is in stark contrast the value of this world that we are driven towards the accumulation of more stuff and more status. And therefore, often the activity of God that removes those things is a painful process. John 15:1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And worship leaders led us in this truth earlier in our time of singing together. Sometimes God uses tough circumstances in our lives to prepare us for what's next, to prepare us for a greater understanding of his purpose in our lives. Sometimes he removes us from the comfortable. Sometimes where we've started to rely on our own plans and purpose for our lives, our security in our self-control, maybe our financial situation, perhaps uh, employment, perhaps a relationship, whatever it might be, sometimes those very circumstances is what God uses to change when he chooses to change our plans. Some of you were here on Wednesday when we had an incredible night of worship. There was something about God's presence and power in this place on Wednesday. And Pastor Benji delivered an anointed message from God. And in that message, he shared the testimony of Brett and Kim Blair, a sweet couple that are part of our faith community. During the week, I uh, was further preparing this message and I felt prompted Uh, around their testimony, around their story. And so I picked up the phone and I called Pastor Benji and I said, I know that you're walking closely with Kim and Brett. Um, Are are you thinking of sharing their story uh, with the church sometime soon? And he laughed, said, only God, I've just got off the phone with Brett where shared that on Wednesday night, I'm gonna share some of their testimony. Uh, But he said, if you wanna share, you go right ahead. And so 10 months ago, when we moved to the area from Chicago, we came in one weekend to look at some houses and we needed a realtor. And Pastor Benji recommended uh, that Kim Blair uh, help us. And so Kim met us this weekend at at several of the houses. And at the last house we were looking at, uh, she started to say, I have a a pain down my leg and uh, I'm feeling a little tired and Reese, would you mind running upstairs and turning off the lights as we, as we leave this property? And you know, we kind of thought nothing of it. Well, the following day, uh, we looked at one more house that has uh, ended up being the house that we, we bought. And uh, we put in an offer, and a, and a month later, at the closing, uh, because of COVID, it ended up being on the property. And so we were there with the closing attorney and so forth, and we are just waiting for Kim and a few moments later, uh, Brett pulls up and I thought, oh, maybe it's a you know family business, fair enough. And, and so I watched Brett get out of the car and he went to the trunk and he pulled out a walker. He took that around to the passenger side and I watched Kim uh, place her hands on the walker and pull herself out of the vehicle and make her way into the house. We signed the papers, everyone uh, left and just my wife, Steph, Kim and Brett Uh, we were just in the kitchen. And Kim said, I I feel like uh, we owe you an explanation. And I said, we don't hardly know each other. You don't owe us anything. And she said, we haven't gone public with this. We've told very few people, um, but I've just been diagnosed with ALS. And the prognosis is uh, a few years to five years at the latest. And so they started to share with us what that means uh, for them. Well, fast forward just a short 10 months later and that disease has taken hold of Kim's life. And now Kim and Brett are finding that many things have been removed from their life, things that have been cut away. You see, Kim was a marathon runner and... And that's been cut and removed from her life because she's fully in a wheelchair now. And she was uh, at the peak of her real estate career and she's unable to work now. And Brett was a business consultant and leadership coach and he's no longer able to do that. That's been stripped away. The, the thought that they are in control of their lives that's been stripped away. One of the really difficult things for Kim has been the realization that uh, her independence has been stripped away. You see, Brett is the 24-7 caregiver with hospice in their home. She's completely bound in the wheelchair and reliant on him. So many things have been stripped away in this time, not of least, The dream that they would grow old together. And it's almost like there is nothing left. Almost like everything has been removed from their life because of Kim's health. Sometimes it's painful for us to acknowledge God's work in the midst of things being taken and removed from our life. Sometimes it feels like there's nothing left. The next step in the process of making an arrow is to take the arrow and soak the wood in oil. In the New Testament, there is uh, many symbolic definitions for oil, but the most prominent is that of the Holy Spirit, that when we soak in the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's like soaking in the oil. John 15:5 and 6 reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. When the wood is soaked in oil, it softens. And it becomes moldable, and kinks are able to be removed. Such is when we soak ourselves in the oil, when we soak ourselves in the Holy Spirit, God desires that we would be soft and moldable in His hands. That through our spiritual disciplines, God is able to remove kinks in our lives. The other act that the oil does on the arrow wood is it seals the wood. It, it puts a protective coating, a, a layer around the outer of the arrow wood. And the same is true when we spend time in our spiritual disciplines. The Holy Spirit puts a protective coating, a, a, a layer on our lives, if you will. The oil also Protects the wood from the next step in the process, the flames. Apply Apply heat to the wood. Who knows, it's somewhat effortless to be godly when life is on the up and the up. But when life is suddenly not chocolates and roses, we're exposed to the reality, have we truly soaked In the oil, have we truly soaked in the presence of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to protect us and bring a coating when the heat of life is turned up? If you know the Blairs, Kim and Brett, you know they have truly spent time soaking in the oil. So when Kim's health has been stripped away, they have remained steadfast. In a short 10 months, as this disease has taken control of her health, Kim has become personally aware and lives to Paul's words that are recorded in Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Soaking in the oil has caused Kim and Brett's faith to be unshakable. Recently, Brett wrote, today Kim and I are choosing to live each day fully, finding joy in being together and the simple moments. We both feel so much gratitude and so appreciate all the love and prayers. In the last days, that Kim has this side of heaven, and as Brett starts to prepare the biggest promotional party to heaven for his sweet wife, they write the words, we both feel so much gratitude. I remember the first prayer that was ever prayed in our new home. It was that day at the closing when everyone had left, and Kim and Brett had shared about her diagnosis, Steph and I gathered with them in our kitchen, and we prayed. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I'll be in a prayer time that just feels bathed by the Holy Spirit, and it's just hard to forget, and I think that's what I was reminded of this week when I thought of the Blair's testimony. It was that powerful prayer time. Well, when I came to uh, call Brett to ask his permission to share their testimony this morning, I was kind of rehearsing what I would say because I'm thinking, he, he may not even remember me. He may definitely not remember like uh, our prayer time. And so I called and I said, hey, I'm, I'm preaching this weekend. Wanted to share your testimony. Wanted to ask permission. And at that point, he said, Reese, I have to interrupt. Now, I was aware that he's Kim's 24-7 caregiver and I potentially was disturbing them and he probably needed to go and see to Kim. He said these words. Reese, I need to stop you there because I don't wanna forget because Kim and I wanna thank you and Steph for the prayer time we had in your home 10 months ago. in the midst of all that they're going through, in the trials and challenges of Kim losing her health, they take a moment to thank us for praying for them. There's something that their faith has been forged in the fire that has caused them to be steadfast In a prognosis that should have been years is now just 10 months. And they hold steadfast and straight when others have fallen away. The Apostle Peter writes it like this 1 Peter 1, In this you greatly rejoice. Brett says, We are full of gratitude. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in the praise, glory, and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now I know that Brett and Kim are watching this morning. And so on behalf of your faith community, I wanna send our love and our prayers to you today. May this day you know the unfailing love of Jesus, your Saviour, and may you know the peace that surpasses human understanding because and through Lord Jesus Christ, your Saviour. Blairs, you are loved. God bless you this morning. So what about you today? When the heat is turned up in the circumstances of your life, are you soft and moldable? Have you truly soaked in the presence of God so that when circumstances and heat is turned up, you could be more in tune to the purpose and promises of God in your life? more in alignment with the kingdom of God than the kingdom of this world. Perhaps you are walking a really challenging circumstance right now. And I wanna encourage you today to have a fresh perspective on those circumstances. To ask God to open your spiritual eyes to see his spirit at work right in the midst of the difficulty, right in the midst of the trial, that you might have literally a paradigm shift to look at your circumstances completely different and to acknowledge that God is always present and always at work, even when things are stripped away from us. The opportunity to see and to acknowledge that God is looking to Reform and refine and remove kinks in your life. Why? For his heavenly purposes. For the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of this world. Amen? The next step is to take the arrow wood and bind it to straight arrows. The the tying to straight arrows that it may take the shape. So let me ask you, who are you tying yourself to? Who have you deliberately put in your life that you may take their shape, binding yourself to those in the faith that would make you be more steadfast and more straight? On Monday nights, I'm in a rooted group. And uh, here's my rooted group down here in the second row. God bless you. (laughs) You know, being in this group has been such an incredible blessing. We are just real with one another. Transparent and vulnerable, sharing of our brokenness, sharing of the parts of our lives that are yet to be made right. It's like we have no masks. Well, we do have masks, but I mean, metaphorically, we don't have masks. We let that all fall away, that we can just be vulnerable together in our struggles, in our desire to grow in the knowledge of God. It's like on Monday nights, we come together and and as bent out of shape as our life seems, we've made a decision as a group, haven't we guys, to tie ourselves, to bind ourselves to one another we may take the shape of a more godly life, that we may allow some of the holiness of God to rub off on one another, that we may live more steadfast. So again, I ask you this morning, who are you tying yourself to? Some of you who are fully devoted followers of Christ, you would describe yourself as Christ-centered You need to pick up the biblical principle of binding yourself and tying yourself to to a Paul, to a Barnabas, and to a Timothy. Paul in Scripture represents someone who's further along in the faith than you are, that you would pursue a relationship with them, that you would tie yourself to them, asking them questions of, you know, what spiritual book are you reading at the moment? Being with a Barnabas is, Someone who is a peer, who you do life together, who you encourage and you're encouraged by them. This person, you you tie yourself by quality time with the Barnabas. And then Timothy is you recognising someone who is early in the faith, is maybe a beginner that you can come alongside, that you can ask, what are some of the, Challenges and struggles you're having. What are some of the questions of the faith that you have that you could give them some wisdom? You're binding yourself deliberately. Now I wanna ask permission to just raise the challenge level in the room right now. If you would describe yourself as a fully devoted follower of Jesus, then you are responsible for all three of those relationships. You're responsible to pursue a poll in your life. You're responsible to pursue that quality time with the Barnabas and get this one. You're responsible to identify and pray that God would bring a Timothy alongside that you could pour your life into. You see, the truth is, some of you haven't thought about your spiritual legacy since COVID hit and that was almost a year ago. It's time that you got back in the game of focusing on your spiritual legacy. Our faith community will be all the better for it because we have Christ-centered disciples pursuing a biblical model of a Paul, Barnabas and Timothy in their lives. We need you living out the discipleship of tying yourself and letting others see that. We need you in the life of our church right now. The next is to take the arrow and sharpen the point. The next step for the ancient arrow preparation is to sharpen the point. You see, in this pandemic, it's been discouraging in different ways to all of us. But we all relate with the discouragement of this pandemic. And one of the side effects, maybe one of the unintentional outcomes of this pandemic is our evangelistic sharp point, our evangelistic edge, our spiritual point has been somewhat dulled. And we just need to call it out today. We need to call out this distraction of the pandemic for what it is and look into Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So how do we sharpen our spiritual lives? I'm really glad you asked that question. It's when we link arms together as new hopers and we serve. It's biblical. There's something about us getting around one another and serving, getting in the trenches and putting a towel over our arms together. That iron sharpens the iron and it brings a spiritual point and our evangelistic fervour is sharpened in the midst of it. Again, some of you haven't served since COVID hit. and That was almost a year ago. When you commit to serve in local compassion, compassion. you see the pandemic has freshly brought to the surface newfound under-resourced people. There is more opportunity across our country and locally now than maybe in a long, long time. And the church has to rise up We have to acknowledge that iron sharpens iron. So if we'd link arms and serve those under-resourced, at the same time, it would sharpen our point. When we commit to serving local compassion projects or serve in a volunteer role around the church, we become world changers. And the first world to change is yours. The reality is when we spend most of our downtime watching Netflix series, we don't realise we're veering off track and suddenly the soft, still voice of our creator is no longer the loudest voice in our lives. And subtly, we don't even realise that Netflix has become the biggest influence and voice in our lives. You know, if you haven't served since COVID hit and you sense a nudging from the Holy Spirit, nothing pressured from me, it's just a prompting from the Holy Spirit. You feel that in your life. And grab your phone and text the word serve to 59769. It's the word serve and we'll get you plugged in. If you're aware that your point has dulled somewhat, and get involved in serving and we can help you with that. The final step with the ancient arrow is adding feathers. You see, it's feathers that uh, help the arrow fly straight in the air. And when we add spiritual feathers to our lives, it's what allows us to stay spiritually straight. So what is applying feathers to our lives? It's our daily chair time. Applying those feathers is us getting before God undistracted, away from everything else in a a private space where we can sit with an open Bible and an open journal and an open heart towards heaven. And here... You could start with just 15 minutes a day and do the soap method. Open the Bible and read scripture. Observe what you've just read. Reflect on the application of it. How does this apply to your life? And then talk to God about it in prayer. 15 minutes a day with the soap method will add the feathers to your spiritual arrow and will cause you to fly straight. When you put right in place your spiritual practices, your spiritual habits and spiritual routines. I like to do this in the morning because I I, I like to think that sitting in my chair with God It's like me soaking in the oil and it puts a layer of protection on me for the day ahead that I don't know what I'm gonna encounter. I don't know what lies ahead for my day where the heat of circumstances might be turned up and I wanna make sure that I have all that I need to be spiritually straight for the day. When we add these feathers, when we we have our chair time, it causes us to move from a focus of maybe what's been stripped away from us. Maybe how circumstances have taken things from us. It causes us to have a kingdom of God perspective that more is less and less is more because this enables us to be a quiver to be an arrow in the heavenly quiver, that God in his timing, his ordained timing for the plan and purpose that he has for your life, he would take out your arrow and you would know what it's like, as the prophet describes, to be hidden in the hand of God. And he would pull the arrow from the heavenly quiver and he would shoot you on a redemptive mission to hurting people that he has strategically and purposely put in your life that you may bring the message of a God who is full of mercy and full of compassion and unfailing love. You can be used. Not because anything you've done your behaviours or your actions, but because God has chosen you. To be an arrow for the Kingdom of God is to understand that sometimes in circumstances, things are stripped away from us. But whilst our focus is on our circumstances, we're no longer able to be a straight arrow. That God the Father and aim and shoot. Hurting people in this world to bring a message of hope. And this is what it means for us to understand the kingdom of God. More is less and less is more. I wanna ask if you'd stand to your feet as I pray for us today. Heavenly Father, there is something about our surrender posture to your activity in our lives. God, some of us relate with this uh, arrow imagery today, being chosen and then had things taken away from us, an opportunity for us to soak in your presence and then circumstances in life get turned up and the heat and the flames, God, to. Bind ourselves to other people that are living a said far straight life. To have our point sharpened and our feathers added that we may fly through the air straight for a holy God on a redemptive mission that you call us all to be a part of, of bringing heaven to earth. Not that earth would be the kingdom that we follow, that your kingdom of heaven, God, would be our value system. And so Lord, I pray for everyone who's in the midst of some really trying, difficult circumstances. And God, I pray that this week, the image of the arrow would help them surrender to the work of God and the activity of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. And I pray this for your glory. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.